Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Welcome to the Daily Jungle. Clones, we are live in Minneapolis for Super Bowl week, which means we've got a week packed full of interviews from Radio Row leading up to a live show on Super Bowl Sunday from Target Field. This is one of the biggest weeks of the year in the jungle, and if you can't listen on the radio or peep the simulcast, we've got you covered. The Daily Jungle from Minneapolis starts right now. Holly Robinson, Pete. Listen. Up, I, I live for this moment every single year. The fact that I'm able to sit, and we're in a mall, Jim. Oh, hell yeah, we are. We've been in a mall all week long, <laughs> we, Holly. We now, are in the mall. Let me be clear. It's yeah. not an official trip to Radio Row until Holly Robinson Pete shows up. I have been here since Sunday, but it did <laughs> not get real or official until the queen has arrived, and now you are. You did not see me stalking you, walking behind your other interviews, just, the other day just I did. warming up? I yeah. have a funny story off air to tell you about okay, that, but right. I can't do it. I cannot do it on the air. Okay, okay, I very good. Do it. So how are you living? How are I'm things? Do- I'm doing great. I'm so excited. My Eagles are in the Super Bowl, Jim. This is awesome. I wish my dad was here. Just, you know, alive to see this. This is really cool. And I think we're going to win. I think we're going to beat them, Jim. Okay, I think we're going to win. You and I have talked about this over the years. Yeah. Now, your husband, Rodney, played for the Eagles. Yes. You spent your formative years in Philadelphia. Yes. Your dad, who you mentioned, was an enormous Eagles fan. Yeah. So I don't need to ask who you're rooting for on Sunday. No, it's, it's, it's all about the birds on Sunday. It's all about the Eagles. And, you know, listen, uh, the craziest thing, and you've known me a long time, was being an Eagles fan and an Eagles quarterback wife. Because the hardest part about that were having all my crazy Eagles fans, family, just harassing me all the time, all the time for tickets. You know, you'd be sitting in the stands. If Roddy threw a pick, you hear somebody yeah. say. Uh, okay, I was going to say the tickets, that's the good part. It's yeah. everything else. Like, for instance, is it true that back in the day when Roddy was playing there, on one of the local shows, people were getting into him pretty good about he would smile after he threw a pick. Did you not disguise your voice and call that show and try to set those people straight? That may or may not have happened. <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. Hey, I see some of these cats from WIP back here, and we, we laugh about it now. But back in the day before social media, when it was just radio and it was just uh, uh, chat rooms maybe, you heard someone saying something about your man, like you wanted to fight, and you wanted to fight back. On social media, you can do that now. You have a platform. You can, you're not supposed to as a wife, but you can if you wanted to. Back then, I just had to call up and disguise my voice. That was Twitter back then. Yeah. They, if they needed a place to run their hate, that was it. Yeah, that was that it. Was that it. Was that it. was everything. Yeah. So knowing that city and those fans, how would they react to a Super Bowl win? Oh, my goodness. It would be just crazy. It would be just insanity. The city of Philadelphia, yes, we are passionate, crazy, insane fans, but we deserve this Super Bowl. We need to win this on Sunday. There's no runner-up. There's no coming here. and, and, and you know, Because you get rolled up off that field, right, Jim? When you lose... It's the worst feeling ever. I've been there, and it's not fun. So we got to get that W, and I think we're going to do it. I think we're going to get at Brady Earl. I think we're going to feel, feel them out. We're all going to feel each other out maybe in the first quarter, and then we're going to get to Brady. Uh, and I don't think Gronkowski should should have come back. That really kind of freaks me out a little That's bit. not a good thing for you, is it? No. No, it's not a good thing for him, really. I don't think he should be cleared, but that, I'm not his mama or his wife. So I you, can't Are you a doctor it. now? Yes, I am. Would you feel that way if he played for your team, that he should not play and he should not have been cleared? Holly, today, with a retired husband of 12 years, yes. But back then, maybe not. Holly Robinson, Pete, my guest. So what's it like for Rodney? I mean, he's been retired now. Talk about what these guys, and especially when he played the game, when he played the game, what's his post-football life like? 
Well, he has me <laughs> and four kids, and he I got good. him on a reality show. So his post-football life is funny. He's, he's uh, you know, getting his Jim Rome on. He's doing a little radio in, in L.A. now, doing uh, local radio. So um, life is cool. It's good. But that transition when you retire is, is really deep. Like, the guys really miss that camaraderie, the team, you know, the team spirit, the locker room drama and stuff. They miss all that. So that transition was difficult. No one told me about that when I married a football player, that they would have that issue transitioning like that. But he's gotten through it, and, uh, and it's all good. But I, I, I would look out for him. Got a new knee. Got his knee replaced. I just saw him talking to Kirk Cousins, and it's like, how do you feel now after you've retired? So that that uh, post-football retirement thing is, is something kind of deep. You no, know, it's got to be, Holly, because you, you always had your thing. You've always worked your thing. But, I mean, there's the camaraderie. There's that competition. You know, the adrenaline that they'll never get. But, man, that's their identity. That's, that's their identity. They're used to being the guy. Yeah. The guy. And it's amazing. As soon as you stop doing it, people don't treat you the same way they don't look at you the same way the doors do not swing open anymore you gotta take You're the no trash out the guy. right right <laughs> you it's gotta hard. you gotta drive the kids to school and i was one of those wives jim that i was like you're not retiring from the football field to the golf course right like, right. I need you in the carpool lane for a minute. No way. So you I kept not. it really real. But Rodney's a great dad. And that's one of the things that we, we show on, on Meet the Peets on Hallmark Channel on the 18th is that we, you know, we, we chronicle a family. This is not your typical family reality show. There's no, uh, you know, it's not Bravo. It's not, there's no flipping tables, no wine glasses flying through the air. It's a, a family show, and we chronicle a lot of the things we're talking about. We talk about, we talk honestly about CTE. We pulled together some football players, and he's part of the Harvard Player Study. And we talk about autism because you know my son RJ has autism, and it's a good family show that everybody can watch. I'm going to ask you about RJ, of course, in a minute. And Hallmark, Janet is all about Hallmark. Is She's she? all about all the time. That's my girl. Whenever, whenever I go upstairs, and Janet's getting ready to do anything whatsoever, she likes the background noise. Hallmark is always on. It's happy to be busy right now. That you can always turn to Hallmark Channel and get a good smile. I said, listen, the thing is. You love the camera. No, no, that's not right. You've always been in front of a camera. You yeah. grew up with the camera. The camera does love you, but those cameras are always there. Right. Is that strange, and what's it like for the rest of the family that did not grow up with a camera like you did? <laughs> well, there's a difference between me going to work and having a camera than waking up in the morning okay. and having somebody in my kitchen. Right. You know, with a camera right in my face. That is a little. That was a learning curve for sure. But I think what we're doing is we're doing, like I said, positive television, and, and it's funny, you know, you're... The first couple of days, you're you're really kind of on edge where you're like, uh, the kids were saying, oh, mom, should I take the trash out? Would you like me to clean the kitchen? I'm like, look, you ain't never asked to clean the kitchen, <laughs> ever offered that before, but the camera's here. But give it a few days, Jim, these crews kind of, they kind of dissolve into the curtains and you forget their whole point and my mom is there too 81 fun, fun. 81 yeah, well Rodney wouldn't call it fun but she's 81 and dating so there's that come on yeah where did she meet her beau she hasn't she has, she's dating she's like speed dating it's okay. really it's very scary well that's different right she's good tv it's a fun show i think everyone will enjoy it well you know it's tough i don't want the 80 something types to be swiping left or right or <laughs> my kids did I don't want her sliding into some old dude's DMs <laughs> you know my kids did put her on farmersonly.com and that was that was that was scary well, what's scarier your mom dating or your kids dating like both my boys 
Yo. Like have girlfriends. They I'm like, do? I'm a 12 year old. Oh, those boys are so handsome. Every year I get that Christmas card. I'm like, they just get more and more and gorgeous. And they can spit better game than their old man. Well, Holly? You got, you got to create kids to be better than you. Yeah, right? You have yeah. to. Let me ask you about RJ. Now, yeah. there's no way you come on here and we don't talk about your son, RJ. For those who don't know, when he was three, he was diagnosed with autism. The doctors ran down a list of things that he was never going to be able to do. Right. What were some of the things that RJ was not supposed to be able to do? Uh, have friends, talk, go to school, mainstream school, drive, uh, have a job, have a job. All those things. Right. And now he does every one of them. But the journey was really interesting. That was one of the other reasons why I wanted to do Meet the Pizza. I wanted this, people to see this journey, especially autism families. You know. Listen, he, he not only has a job, he works for the Dodgers. Yeah. He's a mentor at the Speech and Language Therapy Center in Los Angeles. He is a role model. How much does it mean to you and to RJ that other people look up to him, Jim, that he's inspiring other people? They're looking to him. Jim, I get the chills when I think about RJ being a club attendant for the Dodgers. The way these, these guys have, um, I really get emotional. The way these guys have embraced him. You know, we were at Jock Peterson's wedding the other day. I was his plus one. I was the mom wedding crasher. The guys get around him. JT, Justin Turner, all of them, they love him. They, they, they lift him. And every time I tweet something about, thank you Dodgers for giving my son with autism a job, they hit me back going, yo, thank you for RJ. He lifts this clubhouse. He makes us want to come to work. Uh, that kind of corporate compassion that the Dodgers have, I, I, I hope that other MLB teams do that. When these young people with autism get jobs, they get they get a sense of purpose that it's hard to put my finger on. But I, I seriously, I get teared up when I, when I think about how amazing this organization has been to my kid who was never supposed to work. Isn't that neat? That's great. And that he's an inspiration to so many others. It makes it even better. You're also involved with the Kitten Bowl. Lay yes. out for me. What is the Kitten Bowl all about? Well, Rodney's doing play-by-play -play for the Kitten Bowl. You know, he's got to call the game because, you know, Brett Ferv is playing. <laughs> we hear Ron Gronkowski was just cleared off of the... Uh, you know, he's back on he's, now. He's clear for that he's game. clear to play. Uh-huh. You know. The Daily Jungle is brought to you by Kalo. Kalo Rings, now one of our sponsors. They're made from silicone, and they are perfect for when you can't wear your traditional wedding rings. I see athletes, military members, and construction workers, even mechanics, all wearing them. You can find one in every color, and they have them both for men and for women. Find them at Dick Sporting Goods, Bass Pro Shops, Academy Sports, or online at Kalo.com. That's Q-A-L-O.com. That's Kalo. Now it's back to our day. Daily Jungle. I'll go on record with it. I am a cat person. We have a rescue cat. We have you? a rag. Oh yeah, love this cat. We have a ragdoll cat, which is a rock star. But nobody loves cats, Holly. Like my EP. Check this guy, Hawk. Bring it in. Bring it in. Show her what you did. Hawk, what? Hawk, Holly. This is Hawk. Hi, Hawk. Hawk. This is Holly. How are Show you? her what you did. What did you do? You won't believe this. Look what this kid What's did. What's happening? He's taking off his jacket. Don't worry about that. It's not what you Yo, think. No, he didn't tattoo his cat on his. Dude, he did. Holly, that's his cat, and he named his cat Griffy. Look at this kid. Oh, my gosh. That's the cutest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, look you how fast it. he is, wrapped that thing back up. Is Griffy still alive? Yeah. Oh, dang. Dude, not, no, not, that's not his love. wife. Not his oh. wife. Not his kid. His freaking cat, listen, Holly. That is so sweet. I, listen, if I were single and I was, like, looking for a guy and I saw his cat tatted on his arm, I would think that whoa, 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 was hot. I, I would think that I used was to be sexy. That. Wait, I used to be that guy. What yo, happened? Yo, listen, I'm just saying like, grippy on the arm that is so cute. You think that's hot? When I first met Rodney, I was like, dude, do you like pets? He was like, well, I've never really had a dog. I was like, mm. 
Like, it's not any guy you meet that doesn't like animals. Yeah, but Holly, once, once you get beyond the cat ink and you see that porn stash he's rocking, then what? I'm here for it, man. Uh, All of it. Every uh, bit of it. The kitty cat on the forearm, that's it, hot. Todd Gurley. Joining us on the road, Todd. What's up, man? How are you? What's up, man? I love that introduction. I don't think I never got a good introduction like that one. Dude, I, I ain't playing, and you've got yourself a resume, so I got no problem pointing those things out. Yeah. Let me start with the Pro Bowl. That's your second trip to the Pro yeah. Bowl. How different was it the second time around in the sense that maybe were you kind of in awe of the environment the first time, and now maybe your guy's kind of in awe of you? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't say that, but, you know, my first year was in Hawaii, so I was just there tripping out like, I got Julio Jones as my receiver, A.J. Green, like, you know, Russell Wilson. It was, it was crazy, man. I had a crazy lineup, like DeAndre Hopkins. I'm like, I'm really with the best. And then this year, it's just like, you know, it's definitely. You're one of the fellas now. Yeah, definitely one of the fellas. Felt like a regular, but I'm um, definitely enjoying it, man. It was, it was definitely a great time. I had a great time. All right, so be straight. The Pro Bowl experience, is it better in Hawaii or is it better in Orlando? <sighs> well, it was, I guess. Hawaii, it was just a point, you know, just growing up, seeing it, like, I got to get to Hawaii. Um, but it was more, a lot more stuff to do in Orlando. You know, we did the Disney World. We did the Universal. And then, you know, when we was in Hawaii, we was like an hour out. So it was just everybody at the hotel. This time it was like we could be able to go out and link up, rent the house and stuff like that. So I don't know. I think I think this time I had a lot more fun. All right. I say I had more fun this time. Todd Gurley joining me. So when you get to a Pro Bowl, does anybody ever pull you aside the first time and say, like, hey, man, this is how this goes. This is the code. This is how we do this. Or do you kind of just know when you get there already? You just know. You just know. And then you got, you know, you got some guys that's just going just gonna to be with it. You know, you got you got the Earl Thomas like, nah, this, this is a game. <laughs> We're not playing. But. You know, you just kind of know, just depending on you. Give you know, you look at the linebackers, give them a little wink, like, "Hey, come on now, <laughs> chill out, dude." What? A, that's so great. What if you try and give that same wink to a guy like Earl Thomas? What's he uh, say? Nah. What's he do? Or you just know, he's not just even gonna to look try. at you. Yeah, he's just gonna be like, "What?" Yeah, like nothing. Like what? I'm coming to hit you. How do you feel about that? I mean, that's kind of understood. That look, you guys, what you guys do is really, really violent, really, yeah. really dangerous. It's not that like that for that day but then dudes like that they're wired for it, right they can't turn yeah, it off yeah 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 well there's money on the line too man so you know once that fourth quarter come around the hits start coming out we it's, it's time to get the money man we can't let can't let the free money go away is it walk around money or is it enough money that it matters it's a it's more than a playoff check so it's definitely a, a lot a lot of money that you know it matters it matters to me probably don't matter to you know the the 10 million dollar guys and the 15 million dollar guys one day it might not matter to you but yeah, right now it maybe, does and maybe. by the way that's why they do it so yeah. it matters to you guys <laughs> all right so there's this crazy story before the season sean McVay. in fact i'll get to the story in a minute but when sean McVay was named your head coach this guy was 30 so what was your first impression when you first met him and what did you think um when I first met him I was I mean you know I had called him on the phone just to congratulate him and 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 just talk to him but when I first met him you know he just seemed like a cool guy um you know I heard my one of my best friends Keith Marshall was with him in Washington so he told me he was a cool guy D-Jack said he was a cool guy, so I already kind of kind of looked at him as like, oh, he's, he's a chill guy. And when I met him, man, he was just down to earth, you know, respectable, had that respect level for him. So it was just like good terms off the bat. See, I would imagine he's not like lighting guys up, but man, this dude's like, he's like a savant, man. Like, the guy's so smart. Yeah. This is a crazy story that before the year, he was asked to predict your numbers. 
This guy lays out and says that you're going to have 2,100 yards. You had 2,093. He said you'd have 1,300 rushing yards. You had 1,305. He said that you'd have 800 receiving yards, and you had 788. He said you'd have 13 touchdowns, and you had 19. Man, what's your reaction when you have a head coach that believes that deeply in you and knows that much about you? Um, No, that's crazy, man. It's crazy, definitely, to speak it into existence. Um, and I'm glad, you know, he was my coach and able to give me that opportunity, give me, the, give, give me the ball and just try to make us, put us in great situations to go make plays. So hopefully when you talk to him next time, ask him what's my, um, what next season stat's going to be. <laughs> Whatever it is, he's going to be right. I know that. I mean, I've never seen anything like that before. You see, one of the things to me that was really impressive about the season and the whole team is that when the team gets better and it gets off to a quick start, everybody starts to lock in and pay attention, and then it can get away from a team that's not used to dealing with success or those expectations. That didn't happen to your team. Yeah. How did you guys stay straight and focused? Um, you know, I, th- I just felt like we did a great job. You know, um, you know, we kind of went we went three and one, and every time after a loss, we was able to respond, and that w- that was what Coach preached. You know, make sure we respond the right way. Don't let you know the one loss turn into two losses, and the next thing you know it. You know, you're 4-12 or whatever the case may be. So, you know, we was able to bounce back after every loss and just, just keep winning, just keep winning, chugging on and, and just coming together as a team. You know, either it was a blowout or it was a tough, it was a tough game. We was able to figure a way out and, and get it done. Todd Curley joining us on the road. Now your name's coming up for the MVP. You're getting a lot of recognition and run for the MVP. The expectation is it comes down to you and Tom Brady. What would it mean to you to win the league MVP award? Man, it'll be, it'll mean a lot, man. That's definitely just for me, uh, my family, my teammates. You know, I feel like we did a great job this year, and, you know, they helped me, you know, get to where I'm at right now. So just to be in a conversation with Tom Brady is, is a blessing. You know, he's the, the best quarterback of all time in my eyes, and, you know, to be going against him in an award, man, um, it's definitely exciting. Todd Curley, my guest for a few more moments. Now, I had Kareem Hunt on the show yesterday. Yeah. He won the rushing title, yeah. but you did not play the final yeah. week of the season. Did you let him know that you let him win that title? Nah. I mean, we, we talked about it. We talked about it. I was, like, I was like, man, I was trying to get Coach to let me play. I was like, man, we always trying to play, honestly. You know, you, you work hard all offseason, you know, to try to go accomplish goals like that. But it's cool. You know, he had a fantastic year. He started off hot, man. I mean, he came came out of nowhere just killing it, and, you know, he kept killing it through the whole year. So big congrats to him, man. He definitely deserves it. He's going to be a, a good running back in this league for a while. You wanted to play. You, I, wanted, that, you man, wanted that thing. What? I, I wanted to play so bad. How'd that conversation go with your coach? What would you say to him, and then what did he say to you? <laughs> I was like, um, he was like, do you want to play? I'm like, yeah, I want to play. <laughs> But do you, then, and then do I, you want to coach? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do I yeah. want to play? Do you then, want to coach? Then Goff texts me like, I don't think we're playing. I'm like, who not? I'm playing. <laughs> he's like, Big Wit and um, he's like, Big Wit and Sully's not playing. I'm like, dang, I guess I can't play then. But I, I definitely wanted to play. It was cool though. I was, I was mad for a couple for for a day or two. But you know, you you seen the bigger picture or how we wanted to handle things. Hey, you mentioned Goff. I mean, he took a gigantic step yeah. this year. What? What do you attribute that to, and what do you make of the way he handled the adversity of year one and then showed up the way he did this year? Yeah, man, he, he did a great job of just, you know, just staying poised and, and just being himself. Obviously, you know, uh, he was the number one quarterback for a reason. You know, he has the potential. We just had to, we had to block for him, man. We didn't, we didn't do a good enough job of getting open, you know, whether that was me on my routes or running backs or tight ends. And, so, you know, um, 
just for him to come back this year and and just kill it the way he did, man. Definitely proud of him. He deserves all of it. He he he's just a, a hard worker. Comes in the building every day, work hard, just like every you know, like what a quarterback should do, and, and it, it paid off. This time, I'm a Los Angeles native, so I'm really curious about this. It's a town where you have to win, yeah, yeah. and you have to win a certain way in order to get attention. <laughs> now that you guys are winning, and you're winning the right way, do you feel like the city is starting to embrace the Rams? Yeah, man, for sure. I mean, we, we were there, you know, prior to coming back. But, um, you know, like you said, if you don't win, that's just like with any sports, whether it's elementary, high school, middle school. If, if you don't win, no one's going to come to your game. So definitely got to gotta put up put up the points and, and win in style for sure in L.A. because, you know, that's just how we do it out there. But yes. but um, definitely was an exciting year. We got to get some more home wins next year, man. Can't You know, you definitely got to win at home and, and win in style at home. Christian McCaffrey, dude, I've done this a long time. That's a really long resume for guys <laughs> played one year in the NFL. What's up? How you doing? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you having me on the show. Always good to see you. Thanks yeah. for coming by. You know, the season did not end the way you had hoped. It was kind of a tough loss, obviously. In that wild card game, it's been a few weeks since. Is it totally out of your system or is it going to take a little bit longer than that oh uh, you know I think uh, I don't know if it'll ever be out you know you got to have a short memory obviously in the NFL and you know it was a bummer but uh, you know I think you know we got a lot of hope going into next year and I like I like the way we're at right now you know it took a little bit to you know really come into our identity but love the guys on the team and, and I think you know we really started to gel and uh, now that we kind of have an identity we got some momentum and um, you know obviously didn't end like the way we wanted to but I'm excited to get, get with these guys in the offseason so we can you know, really start getting after it. Christian McCaffrey joining me. You know, I look at your numbers, more than 1,000 yards from scrimmage, 80 receptions. It looks like a huge rookie season to me. But you said, quote, I think I fell short in a lot of areas, end quote. Listen, you always hold yourself to a different standard, but what made you feel like you fell short or came up short in any area? Uh, you, know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm obviously the biggest critic of myself, and I just feel like uh, – you know, I, I, I have a high standard and, you know, I had some goals, obviously, but, um, you know, it's a process. And, and, and I think that was the toughest part about transitioning was, uh, you know, letting the game come to me a little bit, not not pushing too much, not pressing because, um, you know, they're playing against a lot of great players, playing with a lot of great players. And uh, I think the biggest thing I'm working on, obviously, is just coming the most complete back I can be, you know, really trying to, you know, become a back who, who doesn't have to lead the field, you know, giving the coaches the confidence that, uh, you know, I can do that stuff. So I'm excited, man. I, I, I love the year. I love playing ball, man. That's what you dream about as a kid. And uh, I think in this offseason, I know what to work on, and I'm excited to, you know, to, to approach it. Well, you're funny. That's exactly what I was going to say. You're a kind of guy that does not want to come off the field, does not want to come off the field, so I know you're going to put in the work in the offseason. What types of things are you doing between now and then to make sure that you are that back that never comes off the field? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, definitely just, just getting stronger, getting faster, maintaining my speed, and uh, you know, once again, just being the most complete, you know, back, working on really everything, you know, making sure I, I capitalize on my strengths as well as work on my weaknesses. So, um, you know, I'm excited for the offseason to really get after and come into camp ready to go. Talking to Christian McCaffrey, now you were involved with one of my favorite plays of the entire season against Green Bay. You know where I'm going with this. Clay Matthews thinks that he recognizes the play at the line. He's calling it out to the defense. Cam Newton hears that and says, you've been watching film, huh? That's cool. Watch this. And then he hits you for a touchdown. What yeah. do you remember about that play? Yes, I mean, you said exactly what, what happened. Uh, he was telling the, the, the backer that was on my side, uh, you know, it's the wheel route, wheel route. And so I, I look up at Cam. He looks you know, down at me. He's a lot taller than me, so he looked down at me. He smirked, and, and I, I, as soon as that happened, I knew it was going to be a touchdown. I, I, it was actually hard to kind of contain my emotion even during the play. 
Um, but but that was a pretty funny moment. Uh, you know, end up running the little angle route for, for a touchdown. The backer was playing the wheel, so it was, it was funny how it played out. And uh, uh, yeah, it was definitely a memorable play. I got a shirt now that's cam on it and says you've been watching film huh the shirt says so it should have worn it 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 is an awesome awesome line what's it like to play with cam newton it's a blast man it it really is you know he's such a great guy on and off the field and i'll fight for that guy man he he puts his body on the line a lot you know he's a guy that plays with a lot of energy thrives off momentum and um you know i think it took a little bit to to really getting you know myself and him in a rhythm but um you know, I know we're, we're going to continue to work together, and, and I really can't wait f- for this next year. Hey, listen, you just said that that's a guy that you'd fight for, and he put his body on the line. I would make the same argument about you. You dealt with a shoulder injury, and the way you handled that shoulder injury got your teammates' attention. As an example, Jonathan Stewart said, quote, he worked through that injury like a 10-year vet. There's a lot in store going forward. He was a rookie, but you wouldn't look at him and think he was his first rodeo. It was a heck of a rookie season. Let me ask you something. Was that how important was it for you to work through that injury? And do you think that it got your teammates' attention? That you're the kind of guy that I'm going to do whatever I can to get back on that field. Yeah, I think uh, you know I, I play football because I absolutely love it. You know, it makes what makes me happy. And um, I've missed one game in my life, and and it was the hardest thing I ever did was was not not play. So uh, that was tough. And so I you know I kind of told myself that I'm going to do whatever I can for the rest of my life to. You know, really be able to do what I can to help my team win. And if I'm not on the field, I can't do that. So, um, you know, you have to do that. And I have so many great veterans on the Panthers uh, to learn from. You know, guys like Cam, guys like Greg Olson, guys like Luke Keekley, Ryan Khalil, Thomas Davis. You know, vets who have who have been there, done that. They know how to, you know, carry themselves. So as a rookie coming in to be in a locker room with guys like that, it, you know, it makes it easy to emulate. Can I tell you something? That's an amazing locker room. I mean, you've got yeah, a lot of vets there, lots of guys you can learn from. A lot of rookies talk about having that welcome to the NFL moment, you know, whether that's some kind of huge hit from an opposing player or maybe where they, that moment where they realize their dream. Did you have any specific singular welcome to the NFL moment? And if so, what was it? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I, uh, I think the, it was when I got drafted. The day after the, you know, the draft, we, I fly to Charlotte and I go look at my new locker and I'm walking through the locker and I look up and I see 90 Julius Peppers. And I'm like, huh, that's crazy because, you know, I, I was actually five when he got drafted. And, uh, you know, crazy. I'm, I'm, I used to play with him in, you know, video games. And you know, I think of him as, you know, just a legend. And so, you know, first team period, obviously, he's at the right D end. And I'm at running back. I'm like, oh, this is, that was probably my welcome to the moment realization that, that I'm really here. You know, you got a ho- future Hall of Famer, you know, right there. And, you know, I know I'd, I'd seen, you know, guys like Keekley because they're younger, right? And, you know, I'm familiar with them. And, you know, you don't think, you know, Julius Peppers is still going and he's still an animal. And so that was probably my, my welcoming moment. Let me tell you something. When you and I would talk when you were in college, I would always come away from the conversation thinking, this guy does not sound like a college player. Now you and I talk and you don't sound like a guy who's played one year in the NFL. You sound like a 10-year vet. So I think you've always had kind of this professional approach about you. But really, how significant is the transition from college football to pro football? I don't just mean the speed. I mean, now you're playing against men with families, and it is a job, J-O-B, job. Right. No, you're exactly right. That's what it is. It's it's a lot of business at the end of the day. And, um, you know, I've found in my short time in the league that the best players truly love it, you know, and those are the guys that end up succeeding. And, 
um, that's what you got to do. You got to love your job, right? And, uh, you know, you definitely have to work and bring it every single day. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've taken from it is you can't take any day for granted, no practice, no, no weight room session. You know, you got to make sure you're taking care of your body because, you know, as great as it is playing, it can be taken from you in a, in a second. And, you know, we see it all the time with, you know, cuts and trades and, and, and different stuff. So uh, it's essential that you, that you got to do all the right things while, while you're here. Well, like you're saying, you got to love it. Can you get to that level and not love it? I mean, literally, are there some guys that are that gifted that it's not the passion, it's not the thing, but it's a way to make a living and they're good at it, so they do it. I mean, can you really get to that level and not love it? Are there guys like that? Uh, I mean, it's hard to think that, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not know. looking for names, but I mean, it's pretty <laughs> I amazing. I don't know. And I mean, I think everybody on the panel, especially the vets, man, on our team, you know, you got guys like Thomas Davis who, who have torn their ACL multiple times and he's still going 13th year, makes a Pro Bowl. Uh, he loves football, you know, and Luke Keekley loves football. You know, he he loves football. Those guys like that, man, who, who have had all this success and, and you look, you know, I play against them every day. So that's, you know, why I'm saying them. I'm familiar with them. Um, you know, I look at those guys, and it's hard to imagine, you know, somebody that, that's that good doesn't love what they do. So. All right, so you were a legendary ping-pong player at Stanford. Did you right. bring those skills with you to Carolina? I did. I'll bring, them, I'll bring them with me anywhere I go, for sure. <laughs> Whenever there's a table, I'm there. All right, so is there anybody who can hang with you on that team? No, absolutely not. Right, so how are you going to get better, man? To be the best, you got to beat the best. That's, but that's if you right. are the best, how are you going to get better? I know. i got to play against myself, I guess, somehow, like <laughs> Forrest Gump style. There you go. <laughs> Another story from your college uh, time was your roommate was talking about the fact that you're a fan of aromas and that you had a scent machine. Dude, yeah. did you bring your aromas and scent machine with you on your NFL journey, or is that back in college? No, there. I have multiple in the, ho- in the house in Charlotte for sure. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Helps me sleep. Hey, can I tell you something? I don't want to be this guy, but... My car, I have a car that throws off scent. Have you wow. seen this? Dude, you can That's, pick your scent. I need that in one. In the settings. That's unbelievable. In the rig. What car is that? I, I can't get into that, man. <laughs> I can't get into <laughs> That's that. That's unbelievable. But, but it, I mean, fact, the car throws wow. off scent. We'll have to have a conversation you, after. Are you like me now? Yeah. We'll do that off the air. <laughs> That's Listen, next level. <laughs> that is next level. And if anybody should have that, it's you because you yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. You partnered up with Visa this week. What do they have you doing? Yeah, I mean, I've had a blast. I uh, got to spend some time with them the last couple of days. I actually went to a curling rink yesterday, which was uh, first time for me, and spent some time with there's a you know local hockey team there, a couple fans there, and just got to show off all, all the new innovation that Visa has to offer with the uh, their new card that they came out with. It's a contactless card. It's fast. It's efficient. You don't have to you know plug it in. You don't have to swipe. It. You just click it right there, and you know they call it the sound of Visa. You literally, hear a sound come out from the monitor, and um, you know it's so so easy i was signing autographs to these these local hockey team and paying for their pizza at the same time with a card it was kind of cool um but i've had i've had an awesome time with them it's, it's been great spending some time in the last two days so listen you you're a natural athlete you always struck me as a guy that not only are you gifted but you can make adjustments you can make them quickly you can see something you can put it into action curling is a different deal <laughs> how'd that go for you it was a different sport, man. I, it's like a big shuffleboard, but with a lot of different technique. You got to know when to sweep. The sweeping makes it go farther, and when not to sweep. Um, so it, it was tough, man. I was there with Larry Fitzgerald, and and he uh, he did well actually. He he was pretty good at it. So I'm excited to maybe continue a, a future when I'm done playing. Dude, it's the great equalizer, though, right? Curling <laughs> is the great equalizer. Absolutely. All of a sudden, you're not the fastest guy out there. No. You're not the freakiest guy out there. No, they had brought out some pros to do it, too, and made us look ridiculous. That's why they did that. I know. Yeah, I see him working. Hey, before you go, you mentioned Larry Fitzgerald. I had this conversation already. So Larry Fitzgerald is like the, the standard, the gold standard, the bar, the Hall of Famer, an all-around great guy. 
I'm telling you, I want to reiterate this point. My man can talk smack with the best of them all day long. From the second (laughs) that guy wakes up, I mean, teammates, opponents, media people, this guy's about as good as it gets. Back me up on that. Am I wrong? No, you're right. He's a smart guy, and he knows what he's doing for sure. Absolutely. You're going to leave it at that? I'll leave it at that, yeah. No, he was great to me, though, man. He didn't talk oh, no, dude, I love the guy. Was, I love the guy. It was great, man. He, he's an unbelievable guy, you know, being able to just kind of pick his brain, uh, you know, what a career he's had, and, um, you know, just sitting down talking to him. I was just trying to get little pointers from him, see, see what he does and, and what he thinks about everything. And, uh, you know, he's, he's an outstanding person, but, but you're exactly right. I know exactly what you're talking about. We started curling. You could tell some competitive juices were flowing. <laughs> yeah, don't get this twisted, man. I love this guy. He's one of the best guys I've ever met, but I'm telling you, he talks junk better than anybody I've ever oh, met. Sure. One last thought. You know, you, you're making all the right choices. You're doing all the right things. You eat the right things. You know what you're putting in your body. You get all your sleep. You do what a professional athlete's supposed to do. And then you see Tom Brady at 40 playing at that level. Can you see yourself playing the game that long? Well, I, I'd love to. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I mean, you never know. That's that's the dream, and I want to play as long as I can. Uh, but you know, to see what he's done is pretty spectacular. Um, you know, to do it at the level he has and, and to accomplish the things that he has is, um, you know, pretty pretty unheard of, honestly, in the league. So it's it's uh, it's it's impressive to watch, man, for sure. So you've been great with your time. Who you got Sunday and why? Man, I don't know. I played against both teams this year, and. Uh, I mean, it's hard to root against the Patriots in a situation like this, but I played against the Eagles, man, and, and they, uh, they're unbelievably talented. Like, obviously, you guys know they have talent all over the place, play well as a team. I think it's going to be an extremely close game. I don't know who's going to win. Defensively, how fast are they? I mean, you know they get to the quarter. They are fast, aren't they? Very fast, very fast, and, and they play well as a team. Uh, you know, they, they thrive off momentum, and, um, you know, their, their front plays well, their secondary plays well, the linebackers flow fast, so... It'll be, a, it'll be an interesting game. Patrick Mahomes is my guest. Patrick, my man, you've had yourself a week. How you living? How's it all feel? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been exciting. Uh, I'm excited for the future ahead and the opportunities, and I'm from the, ready to keep, get back in the offseason workouts. All right, so if people are watching on CBS Sports Network. They can see what I'm talking about. you got a really good look. you got a really good jacket. And it used to be back in the day I could find guys. I'm a watch guy, and I used to love talking watches with guys. It's weird, man. People aren't about it anymore, man. they got a phone, so they don't need a watch. Or they got an, an Apple iPhone. I'm glad you are a watch man. Yes, uh, and I just kind of started this last year. Uh, there's some guys on the team that have some watches, so I talked to them about them. And uh, I've got my first my first uh, Rolex, and now I, I'm, I fell in love. So hopefully I can get some more watches here in my the future. Man, it's a bad habit, isn't it? Yeah. Once you start, it's tough to quit. So, like, what are the guys into? I would imagine in that locker room everybody's got a different thing. Is it a Rolex room, or are they about other stuff? Mostly, mostly Rolexes. Uh, there's there's other other ones that go way more expensive than that. But for me, I'm gonna stick to the the Rolexes. Uh, they they do them all though. The Omegas, all those things. Let me tell you something. Don't add us. Don't add us. I know that's not your favorite conversation, but watch guys. We'll stick together. We have to. Yes. Don't <laughs> add us. We're gonna keep moving. All right. So what was the first thing that went through your mind when you heard that the team had agreed to trade Alex Smith to Washington? Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I was at my little brother's basketball game, and I saw all the stuff posted all over social media and got all the calls and texts. Uh, but I was just really – all I'm focused on now is just working hard, preparing like I've been preparing, keep preparing like a starter, and be ready for any opportunity coming my way. So, I mean, you've done this your whole life. But let me ask you, does a switch go off, and do you think, man, it's go time – or did that switch go off a long time ago already? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that switch has been going off. I mean, I've really 
try to prepare all last year like I was, if I was a starter, if I had to throw in the game and trying to make sure. I feel like that helped me a ton of just gaining more knowledge of the game and getting a full year of just learning in. Patrick Mahomes, my guest. I'm going to ask you one more thing about that and we'll move on. But how would you describe your relationship with Alex and the time that you had together and what kind of things did you learn from him? Yeah, I mean, Alex is a great guy, great leader, and uh, he's a great player. I mean, he's someone that you can really learn from of just how to do everything the right way, how to approach the game, how to approach the media, how to approach everything. And uh, it's someone that he gave me advice the whole year round, kind of helped me a ton as well as have a great year for himself. But there's no job like the job you have. Mm-hmm. There is no job like the job you have, and now you're the guy. Now everybody's going to feed off you. Everybody's going to look at you. Physically, you know you have all the tools, but what's it like to be that guy who has to lead from the front that everybody else will take their cue from, and how do you approach that? Yeah, for me, it's all about just going out there and having fun. Uh, I, I love love playing football. I love the passion I show while I play, and I, for me, I'm just going to go out there and basically just play and then let the people will gain respect for me by just working hard doing all that stuff the right way and then i'll become a little bit more vocal as the season goes on they played that final game of the regular season against the broncos 22 of 35 284 yards the game-winning field goal drive when you look back on that game what sticks out to you the most yeah i mean just just getting the win was the biggest thing for me uh and then just getting to see that all that hard work i put on during the season when i wasn't playing was paying off just seeing the difference of the last game in the regular season and then back to the preseason how much more control of the offense I feel like I had and how much better I felt like I was going in a moving changing plays, changing protections I'll tell you what's really unusual I mean you're around the best of the best right now this is a league of you know I hate to be crass but grown-ass men I mean this this is the real deal yet the respect you're getting from guys who play the game a long time is really something a couple of days later I keep to leave the he's smart I saw him checking protections, reading defenses. We know how strong his arm is, man, end quote. I mean, let me ask you, did it feel like just another football game or was it different because you did it against the Broncos' defense? Uh, I mean, definitely the Broncos have one of the best defenses in the league uh, and they've had it for like the, the last few years. And uh, it's always good to get a, get a win versus a division opponent. Uh, but to me, it's, it's just football. I mean, you get to go out there, play a sport you've been playing since you were a little kid and uh, get to do it at a little bit bigger stage. Hey, listen, I, I've been with you five minutes and I get a sense that you don't want to make this thing any bigger than it is and you're only going to control what you can control. But it doesn't stop everybody else from having takes. Example, Donovan McNabb, who played for Andy Reid, said that you remind him of Brett Favre. And I can read you the whole quote. It's an amazing quote. But now he's comparing you to Brett Favre. You just got the job. I mean, what do you think when you hear that rea- that comparison? Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate it. It's, a, it's an awesome thing to be compared to Brett Favre. I remember watching him growing up and how great of a quarterback he is. But, I mean, that's a long, there's a long way to go. Uh, it's going to take a day-to-day process of just working hard, doing everything the right way, and then having success in the field and getting wins. Of course, you got your family now. After the deal was announced, Latroy Hawkins, your godfather, tweeted, keys to the Bugatti Showtime Chiefs fans you won't be disappointed end quote I know how big of a role he played in your development how excited was he when he heard that you'd be getting the opportunity yeah he, he he's extremely excited he's always he's always been there for me in my career and, and growing up and he's been a great mentor to me great role model played 20 years in the big leagues uh, just someone I can always look to for advice and uh, it will always support me Listen, you've got an unbelievable skill set, but did that help you to grow up around the game the way you did? Definitely. I mean, I got to see all the hard work that was put on off the field. Uh, some of the greatest players, Alex Rodriguez, all those guys would be in there spending hours and hours just 
perfecting their craft, and no one sees that. And I got to see it as a little kid and knew that it took hard work in order to have success in uh, professional sports. Patrick Mahomes joining us. You got a sense about Kansas City? I mean, like Philadelphia fans or Philadelphia fans that want it badly. Every fan base will say, no, man, we're different. We're the best. Mm. Kansas City is an amazing, amazing sports town, but especially as a football town. Talk about what it's like to be in front of those fans, to play for those fans in particular. Yeah, you can when you're in the stadium, you can just feel the passion. You can feel the passion they have for the team. They're there the whole entire game, packed, packed stadium, and they, they won a Super Bowl. And so for, for me going in, it's going to be about just going out there, competing, and uh, winning a lot of games. Now off the field, you've got a pit bull named Steel. Yes. How old is Steel, and how would you describe his personality? Uh, Steel is two years old. Uh, I mean, all the time I come home, I tell my girlfriend that he likes me more than her. But uh, he, uh, he he's awesome, and he, he's very hyper-loving dog. And uh, a lot of pit bulls get bad raps sometimes, but he's like the most loving dog you'll find. Hey, listen, it's fine that he likes you more than he likes her, as long as she doesn't think that you like him more than you like her. It's very, it's very questionable. It's a close call. <laughs> all right, then. You talk about the perception. I mean, people... Not everybody, but people are afraid of pit bulls. People have a negative perception of pit bulls. As a pit bull owner, what would you tell those people? Yeah, I mean, pit bulls are all about how they get raised, like any other dog. I mean, you, if you raise a dog the right way and you're loving and you show them love, they will be a very loving. And so that's what I think is the biggest thing. When, when they get the bad rap because people raise them the wrong way and they get mean because that's how other, all dogs would be if they got raised that way. Patrick Mahomes, my guest. Now you're going to go to the Panini trading card event tomorrow night and then the famous, and I know because I go way back with Lee Steinberg, his 31st. 31st mm-hmm. annual Lee Steinberg party tomorrow night. How looking forward to both those events are you? Yeah, first off, the Panini trading card event, uh, I mean, that's a huge deal. We get to go spend some time with some kids, have, have a good time with some other players and kids. And I'm always about just going out there and messing around, throwing the football around, doing those things. And then uh, Lee and the Steinberg party, I mean, it's, it, there's a ton of history there. I mean, just the, I went to my first one last year, and it was an amazing event. And I'm excited to get to my second one. Dude, I wish you were a young guy. I wish you would. T- I mean, he's doing great. I wish you could have seen them even back in the day. When mm-hmm. you talk about the history, like that was the biggest thing of the week, every single week, that party. Yeah, that's what I've heard. But, I mean, I think it's kind of starting to build more and more steam as these last few years are going. So uh, hopefully we can get it back to that level. Yeah, not that I want to put more pressure on you, but you might be the guy to bring that thing back to what it used to be. It's still great, but it <laughs> might be. Last thought, I talked to a couple of your teammates yesterday. Kareem Hunt, man, he sat up here. He's awesome. He, I mean, yeah. he is awesome. As a young guy who's been handed the keys to the Bugatti, how good does it feel to know that you've got weapons like he, Travis Kelsey, Hunt, some guys to take some of that edge off to? Did you know if you get them the ball in the right spot, something good's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, definitely. It, it helps to have playmakers around around you, and I have a ton of them. We're very deep. we got a lot of guys that can play and make plays. So for me, it's all about getting it in their hands and letting them make the plays to win games. Drew Brees. Drew, I, I need to apologize right off the top on the air for dumping and venting on you about one of my horses. I should never have done that. You and I don't spend enough time together. But thanks for being there for me, man. I appreciate it. No, listen, absolutely. We we have those we have those those moments, you know, where we just gotta we just gotta let it out. So I'm glad I could be. Thank here you, for man. You, you yeah. are that guy for me. I'll never yeah, do it again. Yeah. Listen, respectfully, I, I was really hoping that you'd bring your sons up, Balin, <laughs> Cowan, and Bowen. When they were the real stars of the Pro Bowl this year, I got to know, as a father, what did it mean to have them with you at that game and share the entire experience with them? First of all, they would be tearing this set up right now if <laughs> right? they were here. Um, but That's great. You know what? It was, uh, it was awesome. You know, I, I mean, I, I could have only dreamed of that, you know, to have the opportunity for my sons to be a part of that something and now to be at the age where they're going to remember that, you know. And I think as a father, 
you continue to think of ways that you can kind of create those moments, you know, those defining moments in their life where you can, you can bring them into to make them a part of, you know, what you do, but also hopefully there's something that will inspire them to end up, you know, going a certain direction and being, you know, the best that they can be at whatever they choose to do, whatever, whatever they develop their passion for, you know, so, um, they are so football crazed right now. You know, they, they, they look up to so many of these players around the league and watch them on TV, watch them on highlight videos, and then to, to, to get in the same locker room with them, to be on the sideline with them, to get a chance to meet them and high-five them. I mean, that was just, they were in heaven. It's literally, and you had to be too, right? It's the best stuff ever. If you're a father, I've got a 16-year-old son, I've got a 12-year-old son. You know, I've even said it. Drew, i got to tell you, my kid, my older boy, Jake, when he was playing travel ball, his kid got up one day and took a pitch like in his eyes and tomahawked it and hit it over the fence. I'm like, not only might that be the best moment of his life, I think that was the best moment of my life. Right, you know, as right. a father, you understand yeah. this. This is an amazing thing. What, who are some of the guys that your kids look up to in the league? Who are their guys? Yeah. Well, um, so my, of course, the, the Saints players. You sure. Know, and, 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 and that kind of rotates, you know. I mean, it's been Michael Thomas. It's Alvin Kamara. It's Marshawn Lattimore. Um, as they look around the league, um, my son loves Antonio Brown. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, Jalen Ramsey. Um, Le'Veon Bell. Um, you know, guys on our team, they like Xavier Rhodes. Sure. Um, I mean, there's just, there's so many. And, and literally, you know, the Pro Bowl setup where you kind of got NFC and AFC locker rooms right there. And you're, you're all practicing at the same time. So my kids were pseudo NFC ball boys, you know. So they're, they're out there at practice, you know, spotting the ball and giving water and doing different things. But most of the time, they were just... Everything you saw on game day, right. them wrestling on the side, that was pretty much every day at home. Every day, yeah. But in the locker room, at practice, sure. just goofing. But you know, guys playing catch with you know some of their their heroes. It was it was incredible. Somebody just photo photo bombed us with a baby. Did they? Yeah, it was cool. Drew Brees joining us. You know, I had Kirk Cousins on the show earlier this week. He was talking about how you. And Tom Brady motivate him so much because he watches you and how you go about your work, how you prepare, how you're focused on your diet, your film study, and it makes him want to find another level. i got to ask you, Drew, I can't even remember you and I sitting in a studio in Southern California back in the day yeah. when you were with the Chargers, and I, yeah. I, I, I could feel it. I mean, I could just feel the intensity. Even then, were you wired for it, or did you learn this, this approach and attention to detail? I, I think it's a combination. I mean, I... You, uh, but certainly, it's something that you learn over time, and it's having great mentors, having great coaches, having great people in your life that will help steer you in the right direction. But at the end of the day, it's it's you know what's your passion and and, and what are your goals? You know what are you trying to accomplish? And I know this. I'm 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 so blessed to be able to play this game. I mean. Um, from the time I, I was a kid, I dreamed of this opportunity. So I want to soak up every ounce of it. I, I never want to take any moment for granted. And while I'm while I'm doing this, I want to be the best that I possibly can be. Because when I walk away from this game, I want to look back and say, man, I gave it everything I had and I left it better than I found it. And I want to set that example for my kids, too. That whatever you apply yourself to doing, man, commit to it and be the absolute best at it. Um, so each and every year, I reevaluate. You know, I reassess. I've got my routine. I've got my process. But it's, hey, you know, what can I do better? How can I recover faster? How can I be better with my mechanics? How can I train smarter? How can I, um, you know, eat better, sleep better? I mean, just you're constantly looking at ways to, to, at the end of the day, get the edge, you know. And you know that if you've put in that time and that level of commitment during the offseason, when the season rolls around, you know, you feel like, man, I've got that edge because I've worked for it. 
how do you get the edge now? I mean, can you can you literally do any more than you're already doing, or is it just a matter of refining the process and doing it better and smarter? How do you get the edge now? Well, I think it is refining the process. I think it is doing it better and smarter and being more efficient. Um, you know, there's so much of it is, <laughs> you know, it's 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 the balance too. It's the it's the balance of life. You know, I've got. Yes. I've got four kids that I want to spend time with as well, and so how can I incorporate them into what I'm doing? How can I? I mean, my time with them is as much of a recharge of my battery as anything I could do from a preparation perspective with football. You know, that my 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 schedule is so structured throughout the season in regards to you know when I'm in the film room, when I'm studying, when I'm going home, you know, uh, helping to put the kid, my, my wife, put the kids to bed, and then having time with her, and then back to studying. And it's just, man, it's so regimented, and yet that's what that's what recharges me. I mean. It, it's what motivates and inspires me. Drew Brees joining me for a few more moments. I had Cam Jordan on the show yesterday. He said that he has not erased the end of that Vikings game from his memory. He's got no intention of doing so. He wants it there as motivation. How are you processing that game? <laughs> you know, I, uh, it was obviously heartbreaking to lose that way. I think we were all shell-shocked after that. And, you know, to fight so hard to overcome what we did, down 17, nothing at halftime, and then to come back 24-23, just to lose it like that, um, you know, there's one of two ways you can go with that. I mean, I, I think some guys want to use that for motivation, what have you. What I look at is, you know, we, we got a lot of young guys on our team. And to watch what we overcame throughout the season, starting off 0-2 and then winning eight in a row, and just I had more fun playing football this year than I've had in a long, long time. And really? A huge part of that was because I really tried to stay in the moment, and I really tried to enjoy the little things about the process. And I love being in the locker room with the guys that we have. So I'm excited about our team. I'm excited about our future. But I also know this. You don't just leave off or you don't just start off where you left from the season before. Man, you're right back to, 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 to you know, the starting point, to building the foundation, to reestablishing your identity, and creating the sense of urgency by which you'll be successful the next year. So for me right now, it's thinking about how do we get these young guys to understand that and to create that edge for next year. Drew Brees joins me on the set here. You founded Football in America. It's a national six-on-six co-ed flag football league for kids from kindergarten to sixth grade. Lots of things that you could be doing with your time. You just said it yourself. You're extremely regimented. Why was this something that you wanted to start and commit to? You know what? This is I'm extremely passionate about this. Number one, because um, you know I played flag football as a kid all the way up until ninth grade. Um, that that was when I first put pads on. Um, and I know we're in an environment now where there's a lot of parents that are concerned about putting their kids in tackle football up until a certain age. Well, if that's the case, I think a lot of kids end up not playing it. Um, so. Um, I think this is a way to potentially save the game of football, to expose kids to the great game of football, to help them teach them fundamentals um, and, and a love and a passion for the game in a very safe, fun, family-friendly environment by which they could transition to the game later on. Or if they never do, well, at least they had the opportunity to learn about the game and develop a love and a passion for it that they can carry with them. So what we've done is we've launched this league in New Orleans and Baton Rouge in the fall. It was a huge success. We're going to have seven or eight leagues this spring, and then we've got 15 to 20 coming up in the fall of 2018. We're looking to expand this nationwide. Um, there's, there's so many things, I think, that separate us, too, from, I think, the rest of the leagues. What we've tried to do is create a standard for, the, for, for flag football in, in America, for youth flag football. There's so many leagues that play by a bunch of different rules and everything else, but I think what separates us is the fun, family-friendly environment that we create on Friday nights. In a lot of cases, we got music playing. We're creating this culture, this vibe. We got food trucks. We got you know bouncy houses. Like we're, it, it, it's, it's the time, end of the week, where the families come together and create that fellowship. We, um, for a lot of parents, and, and, and you can attest to this, we all want to coach our kids, right? Sure. And yet, 
I think there's probably a lot of parents that might have that intimidation, like, ah, I never really played a lot of football. I don't know much about the game or the rules or what have you. So, uh, but we've 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 created a, a mentorship program through our, our coaching platform where we provide a sample playbook to, to any coaches that want to coach on a beginner, beginner, intermediate, and advanced level. We provide uh, uh, video instructional drills, flag pulling drills, defensive drills, offensive drills, fundamental drills. We also have uh, coaching mentors that will get on the phone with you, come to your practices, and do certain things to wow. you know help advance your knowledge and just comf- comfort with, with being a coach. So that, and then we have a charitable component where we're putting money right back in the communities in which we play. Good for you. Football in America. So Drew, back to your first point. Where do you come out on this? I mean, there are parents that are concerned about football. Football yeah. right now and your point is hey look if we wait too long they might not ever actually try the game what's the right age i mean do kids should kids not hit till they're 14 till they're 12 how do you approach it listen it's all personal preference obviously for me um i probably wouldn't feel comfortable having my boys play tackle until middle school and so up until that point listen they're football crazy it's all they want to do i'm like guys it's basketball season they're like no we still want to play football you sure. know yeah. um but um I think this is a way, especially having a fall and spring league, which we have, is a way that kids can do it um, and learn the fundamentals of the game, have fun. It's you know, Another thing we talk about with tackle is tackle at the youth level really involves two stud players that run around with the ball and everybody else just kind of bumps into each other, sure, right? right? So what I tell people is you know, a kid doesn't have to realize he's an offensive lineman yet you know, by playing flag football. You know, Every kid's touching the ball. Every kid's involved in defense pulling flags. You're throwing, you're catching, you're running. So it's it's... There's a level of just fun and enjoyment that comes with this game, with the game of flag football that I think, you know, once you get to tackle, it becomes more serious and more competitive. And I think right now it's about teaching kids the fundamentals and let them have fun. Listen, I think it's brilliant. I think it makes sense. They can learn the game of football and they can play it like this. Just a last thought on that. I mean, generally speaking, going ahead, is there a reason for the league to be concerned? that parents aren't going to let their kids play football? Well, I'd say yes, and and this is why I feel like flag football can be a savior for that, in in that if kids never play football up until it would be appropriate to play tackle, you know, uh, in the eyes of their parents or the public. Like 7th grade, 8th grade? Yeah, I'm saying if, if... if, if you thought that there was no other alternative and you end, it didn't end up playing, well, then maybe you've, you've kind of gravitated to something else and sure. you never exposed yourself. Therefore, you've, uh, for the NFL, you've lost your base, right? I mean, the next generation are all, all these kids that are in elementary school right now. So even if they never play tackle but they play flag, they know football, right? And they've developed a love and a passion for it that they can pass on to their children's children and then they're they're the one who are going to be fans of the game you know as uh, moving forward marcus mariota marcus what's going on man how are you i'm well i'm well thank you for having me how you doing man i'm great it's really good to have you here how's your week going it's been good it's been good it's a lot of fun it's uh it's a really cool experience okay listen i mentioned in the intro that you led your team to the playoffs for the first time since 08 after the win over kansas city i spoke to your teammate Derek morgan and he'd been in the league since 2010. That was his first playoff game. He talked about the intensity of it. I mean, it seems like a given, but how different is playoff football compared to regular season football? Everything intensifies. That that preparation through the week, the focus that it takes, um, and then when you get out on the field, it's uh, it's incredible. And, it's uh, man, it's addicting. I loved it. I loved every second of it. All right, so you're trailing 21-3 at halftime in Kansas City, one of the toughest places to play hostile environment you guys come out in the second half you throw for two touchdowns one of which you famously caught and you had that big block on that derrick henry run i mean how proud are you or were you of the way your team showed up in the second half in a hostile environment you know what it was huge and i think it was something to build off of uh something that we can look back on uh and just use it as momentum i think uh you know for us we're a young team 
and uh, to, to first of all to, to win at home against Jacksonville to get in and then to play on the road and, and to come back and win the way that we did uh, it should give our guys a whole lot of confidence going into next season. Now that touchdown pass that you threw and then caught man that happened so fast when you <laughs> look back at that what do you remember most about that play? Uh, you know it's hard to explain I really I was just at the right place at the right time um, you know I, I yeah man it was crazy really crazy <laughs> I mean, it's wild, right? Like, yeah. I mean, even you're having trouble explaining exactly what that was all about. Exactly. I, it's it's it was undescribed. It's it was really cool. Uh, at the at the moment, I had no idea what really just happened, and uh, just kind of glad I made a play. Listen, you got a new head coach, and the team brought in Mike Vrabel. I know the two of you have spoken, and it's still early. But what are your early impressions of him, and what was that conversation like? Very impressed. The moment I sat down, and the way he described his vision, and the you could just tell the competitiveness in him and uh his just mentality i think uh for me uh, it it's exciting and uh i can't wait for him to sit down in front of our guys and just uh get everybody on the same page it seems to me a guy like that when you think about mike vrabel i remember him as a player and now you see him as a coach first thing that comes to my mind is tough man this guy is tough there's a toughness to him I, I would never allege or say that maybe that was missing but is there maybe an element to that that he can bring to the team that maybe it did need well, I, I think that intensity and uh, that accountability that he can he can bring to us uh, will be huge. Um, you know, being able to learn from a guy that's done it um, at a high level for, for so many years um, is going to be another another big thing for us. So, uh, I know I'm I'm really excited. Um, you know, I was sad to see Coach Malarkey go, um, but I think John Robinson has always had the. The team's best in mind, and I think he uh, made a great decision with Coach Vrabel. Marcus Mariota joining us on the set. You know, he talked, Vrabel talked about how excited he is to help you take the next step in your career. What's that next step look like to you? Consistency. Um, you know, I, if I can play at a high level throughout the entire year, be healthy for the entire year, uh, that's really my next goal. Now, they always say that, like, what's that saying, that availability is a talent onto itself? Man, there's something to that. I mean, what goes into taking care of your body and making sure that you're doing everything you possibly can to make sure that you can stay on that field? Yes, definitely. And I, for me, personally, I mean, you look at someone like Tom Brady that's playing uh, well in, you know, into his 40s. I can learn, especially as a young guy, the amount of time and, and what he does to invest in his body. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to getting after it this offseason and, and just kind of taking some of those things and, and applying it. You know, it's one thing, I mean, you're right. You, you emulate those who are doing the same thing that you're doing and have done it for a long time and had a lot of success. What about his method? I mean, I don't know how much any of us really know about it, but this whole notion of pliability, pliability, you don't want to spend too much time in the weight room, you want to maintain your flexibility. Where do you come out on that? Well, I think there's... Um, I think there's pros and cons to both for that argument on both sides. Um, you know, I, in the position that we play, I think it's important to have flexibility to be able to throw the football. Um, but at the same time, you still got to be able to allow your body to take a beating. You got to be able to, to be in the weight room to make sure that when you are getting hit on Sundays, you're not you're not getting hurt. So uh, I think there's there's pros and cons to both sides of that. And um, again, it's something that I can I can learn from and, and uh, hopefully build off of. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me you want to be able to withstand that pounding. At the same time, I wonder this, right? I mean, how much of a pounding, look, you play quarterback, you're going to get hit. You're going to yep. get hit. It's inevitable. But maybe he takes less pounding because of the system he's in, because he gets it out so quickly. You know, there's all this training, but if you get rid of the ball that quickly, chances are diminished. So you're going to take a lot of kill shots, right? For sure, for sure. And that, that definitely plays a part into it. 
All right, so you've been coming on this show since you were in college, and one of the things that I've always respected about you is you're never looking to make it about you. But I want to take a minute. I want to make it about you, and here's why. There's one story after another about a teammate who didn't have a car or a teammate that you would drive home or you were the guy who was folding up all the chairs after team meetings. You were the guy that stayed and signed hundreds of autographs. You were the guys cleaning up after your teammates in the cafeteria. And you're a Heisman Trophy winner. You're a starting quarterback. You don't have to do any of these things, but you still do. How come? That's what I was taught. And um, I think for me growing up in Hawaii, the, the values that my family raised my brother and I in, um, we, we never take any of, any of this for granted, and we understand that it's, it's a process. And um, along the way, you should be grateful. And um, by showing gratitude, it's just doing little things. Listen, the traditional thought is in order to be a great leader, you got to yell, you got to scream, you got to be really vocal. It's clear your teammates love you, and it's not because of any of that, but because of your actions and how much you love and care for these guys. As your teammate at Oregon, Anthony Thomas, said, shout out to Marcus's parents. They did a great job. I mean, so you touched on this, but really, how much of this goes back to your parents, and what kind of an impact do they have on you? Oh, huge. And, um, you know, they're, they're my role models. Um, they're also the rock, the foundation that my brother and I lean on in times that uh, we may need it. And, uh, man, I, I'm very, very grateful and very, very fortunate. And, you know, every single, every single day I just thank them. And uh, it's, uh, it's really a pleasure. It's nice. Listen, you went to St. Louis High School in Honolulu, also where Tua Tonga Maloya went. It. Nice. Not bad, right? Well done. Well Not done. bad, right? I've been practicing. i got some reps. <laughs> Listen, don't ask me to do it again. I'm walking <laughs> off on that. You're somebody that he's looked up to. What was it like for you to see him show up and perform the way he did in the second half of that national championship special, game? Special, special. Uh, I've known him for a really, really long time, and to see him grow up, grow up to see him go through uh, high school, and then now he's he's doing it at the, at the uh, college game, uh, it's it's special. It's a treat. And, um, you know, I, I hope the best for him. I hope he continues to be who he is. I think that interview after the game is just that's who he is. And that's what's really cool about it. And uh, I'm excited for him. I think he's got a bright future. Marks, I've done this a long time. I've seen a lot of amazing things on a field. I've talked to a lot of amazing people. I'm having trouble processing. I mean, I know this kid's special. Yeah, absolutely special. How do you just step into that game on that stage and ball out the way he did? I, I don't like I don't. I don't really understand it, and I saw it. Yeah. How do you explain a kid like that doing something like that? It's, it's hard to explain. And I think you got to give a lot of credit uh, to him and how he was able to be prepared. Uh, you got to give a lot of credit to Jalen, how he handled that. And I think you know, you got to give a lot of credit to Alabama and how uh, he was prepared from that standpoint with the coaches and all those guys getting ready for that game. Right, before I let you go, you are a role model. But before that, you said that athletes like Shane Victorino, he'd reached out to you to encourage you, remind you what you mean to everybody back home. What were the types of things that Shane and others would say to you that stayed with you? You represent much more than yourself. Uh, you know, every time you walk out in the field, every time you uh, have an opportunity to uh, kind of be in the in the limelight, you're, you share Hawaii's story. And... Um, I'll never take that lightly, and I think these these next and up and coming kids, whether it's Tua, whether it's McKenzie, uh, Milton from UCF, those guys understand that. And um, I think just being able to watch those guys grow, I think Hawaii's in a very good place. All right, so you're working with Spam this week, and the story goes that growing up, many of your mom's dishes included Spam. <laughs> so, what's it mean to you, and what are you doing this week? Oh, it's been it's been really really cool. Um, Spam has been a part of my life ever since I could remember. And uh, it happens that the headquarters are here in Minnesota. And um, 
it just kind of worked out. It's been a lot of fun. I've been able to kind of share my story and uh, just kind of tell people how much I've enjoyed Spam and uh, whether it's breakfast with the eggs or it's uh, like a, a quick snack. Um, you know, Spam has been kind of there and hopefully some people will try it. Check out Spam.com. Uh, you got some, some recipes you can try out for your game day on Sunday. Yeah, it's got to be so fun, right? It's got to be surreal, like something you grew up on, loved, and all of a sudden you're here corporate headquarters yeah, kind of rolling around town spreading the message it's kind of crazy right it is it is steve smith senior 89 my man what's going it on it's so good to see you what's it's up so how you good feeling to see you. you said the correct word special eight hours special man yeah so tell me what's so special about those eight hours use the word b and then t and you fill in the blank because it is straight up that for eight and a half hours. <laughs> Steve Smith, my guest, keeping it real. Listen, you, uh, this is different now, all right? You yes. you came over to this side. Yep. Now, last year, you came here for a couple of days. My man, you can speak to what I've been speaking about. You've been here all week. Yes. What's that week been like for you? So I flew in Sunday, you know, and, 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 and first of all, just going through the process. So, you know, generally... When you travel, and I'm not sure if you do it, but I do it. You kind of, I know you do especially more than me. Living in Charlotte, you kind of don't pay attention to the weather. I travel to Philly a lot. I go into Philly to Mount, uh, to, and they uh, car service me to Mount Laurel, New Jersey, right? Been in Baltimore, you know, been in Carolina, you know, playing Pittsburgh. So you look at the weather a little bit. Coming here, like what clothes are in my closet you in California, so I know you ha- You don't have any minus I, seven. No, dude. No. Minus seven. What clothes do you have? So I went I went on Under Armour, who I'm still sponsored by, and got ski gear. Right. So the other day, I was on air, but underneath my suit, I had long johns. Yes. Right? Yes. I had long johns. I had socks. I had all that. It is cold. Bro. Bro, I'm wearing a sweater. I've been wearing one all week. Yes. I don't wear sweaters on this show. No. I don't wear sweaters on TV. But, you know, you got California in your blood now. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes. Dude, it is cold. No, minus seven. And it's so, cold. getting you know, packing that, that, that stuff and then getting prepared. Sunday when I rolled in, we di- I did um, opening night, right? Worked from probably about 6 to 10.30. Then on Tuesday, had my, my schedule Wednesday. Uh, Tuesday, then Wednesday. I woke up Wednesday morning. And I just was like, ugh. <laughs> right? Just, I love, it was I love just, hearing this, man. It I was love different. this. I woke, I woke up, not that I was partying. I just woke up and said, it's only Wednesday. Right. It was the true essence of Preach. hump day. Preach. Preach. And, and, and so we said this. We said this on Wednesday. It was the ultimate hump day. Yes. There is a process. Yep. Listen, man. You are one of the toughest guys I've ever met in my life. And even you're saying on Wednesday, damn, dude, I'm tired. Yeah. I'm and tired. You open the, I open up the hotel uh, window and I'm looking. We, you know it's cold when the businesses in the rooftops have smoke yes. coming out. Like where I, where I grew up, in, you don't see that. That's when you know it's cold than a bleep. Dude, when was the first time you saw snow in your life? Do you remember? Uh, Utah. When Utah, I went to Utah, right? Yep. I went to Utah. It was funny. I went on my recruiting trip, and I, all I had was a, a remember the old Gap oh, yeah. uh, windbreakers that you, you could fold up into the big pocket. Yes, yes. I came out there. They said, "Oh, we got us a we got us a guy that doesn't know where he is." 
Dude, I can remember somebody giving me hand warmers, and I started to open these things up to pour them in my coffee. Like, hey, no idiot, put them in your feet, man. Put yeah. them in your hands. You don't open that stuff up. We, you just we don't, don't know, know, dude. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. You can't blame us. Steve Smith Sr. joining us. Dude, you and I, we go way back. I could talk to you about a million things from your career. Mm-hmm. But, and, and I know you've moved on, but I, I want to talk fast. about your career I, for a minute. I've moved on fast. No, I, don't I, even, I don't even sign, like, uh, my agent received information that offers to, for me to do some sit-down and private deals for um, autographs. Yeah. Like Panini, Upper Deck, some of those people. And I said, and Tops, I'm not doing autographs. I'm an analyst now. My football career is over. I, I won't do – I think I'll do – I'll wait four or five years so I'll do another autograph session. Seriously. Just because, Why? Because I'm an analyst. The, the, you know, I was doing open night. Some people asked me to, hey, would you interview? I'm not playing. I'm, I'm here to evaluate and give, give my assessment on the teams, why they should win, why they shouldn't, who will do good, who will do bad. Here's the reasons why. But I'm not here to talk about 14 years ago when I played in this game. This game has changed in 14 years. Look at this. Look, look at all the fans. Look at the fanfare. The ratings, the our, our new deal with Thursday Night Football, Fox, $550 million deal. Our game has changed dramatically. And guys, the old guys, though, like Cliff Branch and all those guys have set the precedent, has laid the foundation for guys like myself, you know, to reap the benefits of their labor. And, and, and so the next guy, the old Dale Beckhams, who will probably be one of the highest paid wide receiver just justifiably so because of what he brings you know Fred Belipnikoff all these guys have have laid that foundation for me and, and I'm not gonna say I've laid a foundation but I, I, I would say I hope I didn't screw it up because those guys um bless sweat blood sweat and tears and, and, and really brains and and all the things they laid out on the line that made me not the contracts but made me a, a my first love, other than my but, wife Right. My first love was football. But, okay, here's the thing. And by the way, to me, it's like the most Steve Smith thing ever that we're not talking about me playing because I don't play anymore. That was then. This is now. I've already moved on when guys can never move on. I'm not at all surprised to hear this. But, dude, if we're not allowed to talk about when you play the game, we can't talk about 05 and that game against Fred Smoot. There's so many things that we can talk about. And, dude, you're not one of those guys that. I get it. I get it. But we got to be able to talk about your career a little bit, right? I mean, it's, it was. You're not making it about you. No, I don't want to. I'm kind of making it about you. I've just, I've moved on, man. I'm, you know, I'm I, doing on Sundays. I talk about football, and during the week, man, I'm, I'm, I'm making, I'm uh, learning new recipes and 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 learning, learning how to be, you know, uh, learning how to be. A cheerleader uh, for the kids and not a coach. All right, do this. I'm going to respect this totally. Yep. Humor me with one thing. Yes. Going back to that game, because you said something that you and I have not talked about before in all our conversations, which I love. Relating to that game against Smoot, he was kind of yapping early on. After the game, you said, quote, whatchamacallit was talking to me in the pregame. When somebody's banging on your door, I'm not going to hide in the corner. I am going to open it. At least give me that. That's one of my favorite Steve Smith sayings ever. Well, if somebody's going to come bang on my door, I'm going to open that door. Well, what happened, and and got to be very careful because, I, um, you know, there's been times where I've said things and guys have responded in a way that I'm trying to grow up and be mature. Like, you know, he, he kind of took some offense to some things I said and said, if I have an issue, you know, he can come to, I can come to, to Mississippi. 
my private plane ain't got a reason to stop in Mississippi. But anyway, um, so basically he was right. with he was with him. The story goes, we played Washington back in the day, and, and Champ Bailey was running a number on me. He 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 really challenged me. Um, I learned very quickly why he was what he was, Champ Bailey, which yeah. is a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal DB. He, he, he lined up everywhere. And so Fred was designated to moose in, good friend of mine. And so uh, the next year we had Rod Gardner, and he was talking to Rod, and Rod was talking to me and, and, and talking. And I was like, hey, bro, you know, we, you're not on that team anymore. you here. And so he kind of took offense to that. We kind of jabbed. And so and that's kind of what really – and I basically was like, look, bro, a year ago you weren't even allowed to cover me. Now you are – you good enough? And so that's kind of how it went. But, it, you know, it was something that – I it was something that I was able to talk my way into a great game. And obviously I benefited from it and, you know, it's gone. Listen. Now I'm a, you know, now I'm a paper pusher. Listen, you and I have talked about – your evolution, the way things were. I, I understand all this, but man, you still have that fire. You still have that fuel. You still have that passion. You're directing it in other ways. All I'm saying is we all want that. We all want to tap into that. If you could bottle that, you'd never have to do anything again for the rest of your life. If you bottled, if you bottled that and gave it to everyone, right. then I would have just been just like everyone else. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that everybody wasn't the That's same. That's the whole point, right? You can't yeah. bottle that. No, you can't. That's but how I, you got but there. But I also utilize that in other ways. And, it's been, and, and that's why I'm learning so much in a short amount of time um, uh, in analyst work. And, and I think I'm getting better and better each week. And hopefully uh, at one, one point, like my football career, I will feel comfortable enough you know, to kind of take a, a chill pill in the analyst job. Dude, they're trying to take you away from me. One thing I want to ask you about, the Smith Family Wellness Center. Yep. It's a clinic in Charlotte. Absolutely. Talk to me about this. What does it offer? What's it do? Uh, so right now what we do is we're open two days a week, um, and we provide medical assistance for um, Charlotte has a great uh, a refugee community, a huge refugee community, but we also help, I always use the phrase, helping people on the other side of the stadium. Okay. And so we give free medical clinic to them, uh, uh, medical clinic like flu shots, um, uh, physicals, but we also have uh, free clinical uh, counseling for families and fathers and mothers and families that are uh, domestic violence victims because my mother is a survivor of domestic violence. And so my, uh, we have that, and we're in, the, we're in partnership talking with a with some uh, the regional regional hospitals there to um, have some full-time staff and be able to be a full functional free uh, medical clinic that you really just walk up and receive medical clinic and we raise funds for that and it's very uh, it's one of those things um, it's not a checklist for me it's really who I am right and it's fun it's challenging uh, and it's something that we do uh, I've been you know given to the Charlotte community um, unfortunately, I have not been able to give to them thus yet um, the amount of, of time that they've invested in me uh, as a football player. So that's my way of giving back to that community in which my family calls home. Melvin Gordon is my guest. Melvin, really nice to have you on the program. How are you? Good, man. You? Good, dude. Good. I'm really good. You know, I ran down those numbers, and from where I'm sitting, 
to me, that's a hell of a season. That's a great season. But when you were asked about it recently, you said it was, quote, average. you got to break that down for me. How come you thought this season was average when everybody else looking at those numbers feels like you had an amazing year? Seventh of rushing, man. You know, at the end of the day, you know, you want to be one or even top five. And, uh, I was seventh of rushing, man, total. I got behind and I was trying to fight, man. Just, you know, I, I didn't have enough games left. <laughs> I'll tell you what it sounds like to me. What I'm hearing is if I'm not top five or even if I don't lead the league in rushing or I don't go to a Super Bowl, then it's going to be a disappointing year. I mean, is that what it comes oh, down to? Definitely. Anything less than those two things? Is it going to be a disappointing year? Yes, sir. You know, you clearly yeah. get a lot of – you got a lot of motivation. You have a lot of internal motivation. You don't really need it from the outside, but – do you get it from the outside, whether you hear, hey, listen, he can do this, but he can't do that, or he could be a better receiving back? Do you hear that stuff, and does it motivate you at all? Well, definitely. You know, you hear a lot of, you know, he's, you know, this guy is Melvin's good, but this guy is better. This back is a little bit better. This back can do this. He's a little bit better than Melvin. I mean, you hear it all the time. So, I mean, that's always, you know, giving me extra motivation, man. I'm going to continue to use that forever. As as I'm We're talking to Yep, we're talking to Melvin Gordon. You know, after you passed the 1,000-yard mark, Philip Rivers said this about you. I want to read you the quote. You never like to speak of young guys like you're above them, and I certainly don't feel like I am, but when you're an older player, it's fun to see the young guys really turn into pros. End quote. When you think about how much respect Philip Rivers has in that locker room, what's it mean to you to hear him talk about you like that? It means a lot, man, to, you know, get a compliment like that for Phil, um, a future Hall of Famer, man. It means a lot. You know, um, you know, I, from me coming in from day one, you know, he's been able to see me grow, um, you know, mature um, to the player I am today, man. So, I mean, it's a wonderful compliment because, you know, compliments like that aren't given around by players like that all the time. You know, when he says that about you, when he sees the kind of year you had, and let me ask you about another teammate and the year he had, what was it like for you to see Keenan Allen come back from injuries and have more than 100 receptions for nearly 1,400 yards? I mean, as a teammate, how much does it fire you up to see a guy put in the time that he put in and have it pay off the way it did? Man, it was just amazing to see him take off. And honestly, he should be comeback player of the year. I mean, to, to have that injury he had, um, I mean... Even my rookie year, he was he was going, you know, he was playing phenomenal, man. And, you know, he ended up getting hurt. So, you know, for him to play full season healthy and come out the way he did, I mean, I mean, he was almost unstoppable, I mean, to be honest. And it was just amazing to see him, man, especially after all the work he put in, after trying to come back after the ACL. And you know he's going to get better, too. L.A. Chargers running oh, back. Melvin Gordon joining us. You know he's going to get better. Listen, nothing's oh. guaranteed from one year to the next in the NFL, but if you look at your team and how it responded to that 0-4 start, what's that tell you about the strength in that locker room and the potential yeah. for next season? You know, we got the heart and muscle for anything, man. And that You know, we, we could fight and go toe-to-toe with anybody. Um, you know, we hurt ourselves by going up, um, you know, by, by starting 0-4, um, but it was a lot of things we were just trying to figure out. You know, new head coach, you know, new defense, Denzel being out, I mean, that kind of hurt us too. Um, but, you know, we got this. We got this, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm praying we don't get another old and post start again because that hurt us so bad, man, towards the latest year, season, uh, late in the year, man. But, um, you know, we, we, we got a team, man. We got a team full of talent, and we need to take advantage of it before, you know, guys start separating.
I like that. We got the muscle and the heart. Melvin Gordon joins me for a few more moments. Now that you've had a full year, what's life been like for you in Los Angeles? Um, life's been cool, man. I'm more you know, laid back and things like that, so I don't get too wild. Um, but it's definitely a different, a different, a different pace, man. It's definitely more fast life. Um, but it's cool, man. You know, it's a lot more attention that comes with it. Um, and a lot more lights, but you know. I don't, I don't know one player that, you know, that don't don't really like too much attention. You know, everyone likes to be noticed, you know, for what they do. So, you know, L.A. brings that. I got to ask you, so how are you going to approach the playoffs? For instance, do you watch games if you aren't in them, or are you just going to find something else to do come Sunday? Uh, I definitely watch the games because I got, you know, I got teammates. And, I mean, just friends that, you know, I've been playing with. Um, but I don't like to actually go to the game. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of, you know, my best friend is Trey Wayne, and, you know, I sucked it up, and I went to the game that they actually won uh, with Stephon Diggs fought that pass. That's not an end zone. Uh, usually I don't like to go to games, man, just because, you know, it just, it just makes me reflect back to, you know, to us wanting to be there. Um, so I, I, I won't go to the Super Bowl, um, but I'll definitely be watching it because I got a couple of buddies on both sides, you know, both, you know, on both teams that, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for. I hear that. Listen, last night, you played both the Patriots and the Eagles this year. You had a monster game in New England with 132 yards on the ground, including that 87-yard TD. So who do you like on Sunday and why? I like Philly because their defense. Um, you know, I, I like their D-line, man. I really think, uh, you know, they, 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 could, they could wear on those New England guys, um, you know, come towards the second half. Uh, I just feel like that D-line is going to make the difference. Um, they got enough to get it out. You know, I really feel like this game depends on how folks play. I think defense will set them up in a good position. Gives them enough stops, um, you know, for foes to take over. But, um, you know, obviously Brady's going to do what Brady do. You, you can only stop him for so long, really. So foes got a man up and do what he needs to do, which he's been doing. So I think Philly's going to take it, man. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be it's, it's going to be a, a boxing match. PJ Fleck, I've been waiting all week to ask you this, my friend. How are you? I'm doing elite, man. I'm doing elite. I knew it. it couldn't be any better. Super Bowl in Minneapolis. This is perfect. I knew it. So what's it like having everybody in your town? Well, it's a blast. It really is, especially having the Eagles at our brand new $166 million student-athlete village that just opened two weeks ago. So we're proud to show that off to the National Football League. Really proud to share that with the Philadelphia Eagles, and they've been a blast to work with all week. God, that's got to be so great. That has to be absolutely awesome to have them, have them in your house. Now, we're talking about a new performance center for the program. What are the players make of the new home, and then what kind of a message does that send the program and everybody outside of it? Well, the message is we're investing into championships at the University of Minnesota. That was one of the reasons why Mark Coyle and I talked about taking the job was they were truly investing into winning championships. And anytime you have $166 million facility that's privately raised, all that funds, those are people that really care. We haven't won a championship for 51 years. And so these people are thirsty. They're starving for a championship. But you just it just doesn't happen. You've got to be able to recruit to an elite facility. You have to have a facility that's going to develop our student-athletes on and off the field, academically, athletically, socially, and spiritually. And this student-athlete village is is impressive now. You've got to come out and see it because it is like an Olympic village. That's how it's kind of designed after where all all 750 student-athletes can kind of mingle, not only in a courtyard with fire pits, but there's a separate football building and then a student-athlete building. It, It takes care of all their needs. Listen, right now, your energy level and your passion are elite. Look now, at I, this, would, I would expect no less, but you definitely, I can feel it. 
What has the last year or 13 months been like for you since you arrived? Uh, it, it, it's been challenging, but that's exactly why we took the job. It's been demanding. It's been challenging. It's been a lot of fun, to be honest with you. This is what we love to do as a culture, as a staff. We love to come into hostile situations at somehow, some point, and really bring calmness to it. Uh, we're in a completely different position one year ago today, how people looked at and talked about the University of Minnesota to where we are now. Highest GPA in the history of the football program, brand new football complex, a uh, ton of new branding, the row the boat culture all of our players serving and giving um, and it's really with the best recruiting class one of the best recruiting classes ever in the history of University of Minnesota which we signed December 20th all 25 of them so uh, we're really looking forward to the future and we've had a tremendous offseason so far Minnesota head football coach PJ Fleck joining us on the row Kirk Cousins came in he spoke to your team what was his message and what did your players take away from that visit well I think the biggest thing was to have a vision and stay true to that vision and do what it takes to make sure that vision becomes reality we have a saying with our players what maturity is we define it it's when doing what you have to do becomes doing what you want to do and his message message echoed that we all do things that we have to do but how many of us actually want to do what you have to do we want our players to embrace the entire process of a student athlete academically athletically socially spiritually on the field off the field and really take pride in their life and I think that's what we really are in 2018 as, as college head coaches. We really are life coaches as well. And we have to take that responsibility on. I said, what you're talking about here is you're talking about connecting with people. How much of that is the job and then how much of that is scheming and Xing and owing? How important is it to connect with the people? Well, I think it's incredible, it's incredibly important to connect. Players have to do things for you as a head coach. They have to want to play for you. They have to want to play for the administration, want to play for their school, their alumni, their boosters. They have to want to play for, more importantly, each other. I think that's critical, and I think at times that's lost behind the scheme or the X and O, which is incredibly important. But it also shows the connectivity of a football team, of how a team can go from 1-11 and at Western Michigan, same coordinators, same head coach, same system, and three years later be in the Cotton Bowl and being 13-0. It shows the connectivity of the players. Way different between communicating and connecting, and we need these players to connect. P.J. Fleck joining us. So it tells me also, you need a certain guy. Not everybody's going to fit that system. So when signing day is coming up, how do you go about approaching the process? Are you looking to sell guys on your vision and how they fit into that vision? Or is there a feeling that if you've got to sell somebody, if you have to sell somebody, they're not a good fit? You know, the great thing about our culture and even me, <laughs> I don't have to sell me. I'm just me. And I'm not for everybody. You've heard me say that a lot. I'm really not. But I get to be who I am. My athletic director our president, President Kaler, and, and Mark Coyle allow me to be myself. And that's very hard to find in 2018, and that's, that's a treasure. And so you either really like me or you don't. I'm not the head coach that you kind of figure out, you know, I got to visit the, I got four more visits to find out what this guy's really like and what his culture's like. You either click with me from the start and we're connected on how we do things collectively or we just don't. I'm laughing because that's been the story of my entire radio career. That's exactly right. Those who like me love me, and those who don't hate me, and that's just the way it is. You can't make everybody like you. You get the guys around you. The people will find you if they like you and they understand it. So talk to me about year two. Year two of the hyper culture and the row the boat culture. What does year two look like at Minnesota? Yeah, we're going to be younger before we get actually more experienced, and we've said this all along. Uh, 60 to 65% of our players are either going to be friends 
freshman or redshirt freshman uh, with really no playing experience. Um, but we talk about a race to maturity. So we took the uh, we took the NASCAR logo and we made this race to maturity type thing because we're going to be so young and so inexperienced. And what do immature people do? When what they have to do, they don't want to do. Just like our children. I have a 10, 8, 5, and 4-year-old. When they have to make their bed, they don't want to. But they'll come down once in a while and be like, hey, I made my bed on my own because it's a weekend. I don't have to make my bed. But they did it and they feel accomplished. That's what we want our players to feel. That the, 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 the wanting part of that has to be sped up. And it's a race to it because we don't have time to waste. So now matters. And that's kind of what year two is all about. It's about growing up in year two. P.J. Fleck, Minnesota head football coach, joining us. Before I let you go, I have to ask you this. You've got a reputation as an amazing motivator, somebody who can inspire others. I've got to know, who are the people who motivate and inspire you the most? That's a great question. One, I, I'm really strong in my faith, right? Uh, so uh, my spiritual life is very important to me. My wife, Heather, is uh, my rock, my inspiration. She fills my cup every day. And, 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 you know, when you're a head coach, you serve and give so many people, and you're putting out fires, and people are taking away from you because you're giving to them so much. Somebody's got to be able to re-energize you, and my wife does that. Uh, she truly is the, the rock star of our family. My children are everything to me. That's why I coach. That's what I do. I want them to be proud of their dad, that he not only serves them as a, as a parent, as a father, uh, as a motivational uh, uh, influence, but also an example of how to live your life and be a coach and be a professional. But then Mike Nolan, huge influence. Jim Tressel, huge influence. Greg Schiano, huge influence. Those would be the biggest guys in, in my career. P.J. Fleck, as I mentioned, it's not a coincidence. It is not a coincidence that you came here at this time because, one, I was going to run you down no matter what, but, two, I thought <laughs> better yet, I need somebody to close this show. If it's the most important week of the year for our program and our brand, I need somebody who can close the show. My man, you were that guy. Thank you very much. You know, I appreciate the relationship and all the interviews we've ever done, and I know we will keep doing them going forward. That means a lot, Jim. I appreciate it. Roll the boat, Sky Ma. Go Gophers. What's cracking? Welcome to the jungle. We are live in Minneapolis, the mother of all road trips. I will be here the entire week. Super Bowl number 52. I am Jim Rome. What's cracking? Welcome to the program. Here we are. Here the f we are. And damn glad to be here. Thank you very much. Yeah! Eric Kendricks is my guest. Man, who do you like? Forget who your brother plays for. Man, we're on a team, though. Gotta go for my brother straight up. Okay, so what do they have to do to win that game? Play well. That's right. So if you're looking for me to be that SoCal bad to come on the air and say, man, what are we doing here? It's so cold. This is the worst. It's not. It's awesome. Six degrees outside, maybe 96 inside, and I'm happy to be here. Who wins and why? Monday. Monday? You're going to do this to me on Monday? Come on, man. It's 27-26, Jim. Who? It's 27-26. Come on, man. Who? <laughs> I'll call you on Friday. Friday. Great. Don't do anything stupid. Aren't you tired of being a national joke, Philly fans? Let's try to behave. Look at Tony addressing the camera with that, too. Thank you. Anything else? Another, <laughs> another PSA before you go. Don't start drinking at 7 a.m. for a 6 o'clock kickoff. D'Angelo Williams. Jim Rohn, man, you look like a 70 adult film superstar. Wait till you get a load of my EP, Adam Hawk, and the porn stash. He's rocking. And I saw that. I'm like, that is a... Look at the stash. Yes, yes. He's the star, and then that's the co-star. <laughs> Kirk 
Cousins. What's important to you? What kind of situation are you looking for? You know, I want to win. Uh, I've had an opportunity to earn a good living playing football, and so I want to go win. That can be Washington. It really can. Frisco. Like so who do you think wins this game and why? I think it's, we talk about the steely eyes of Michael Jordan. You're going to see the steely eyes again of Tom Brady. Number 12 will have the ball late in the game, and he's going to be asked to go get a field goal or a touchdown, and you know what? He's going to go get it. The pride of Mount St. Joseph High School in Baltimore. <laughs> oh, oh, he Mike got the Gales Brady. in there. What's up, Mike? The Gales, baby. How you doing, bud? What's First up? of all, Jim, how do you have Prisco on before me? Yo, can you not do this on TV? No, I'm doing it on TV. Live long and prosper. Everybody watch. Stephon Diggs is my guest. You got a feeling like Case Keenum is going to be your quarterback next year? Uh, um, It's kind of in the air, especially in my position. You know, we got so many guys, you know, for it's 32 teams in the league. It's guys out there that need quarterbacks. For me, it's like whoever they pick, I'm going to be excited to work with. A California high school basketball legend who has glossed the ghost in the post. He was the 241st pick overall in 08 out of Oregon. Jeff Schwartz is my guest. I've never been called a basketball legend before. I like that. This dude is like the most interesting man in the world. That was the best introduction that oh, I, I think honey. I've had since I've been on Radio Road. Oh, man, All praise doing? to the godfather, Jim Thank Rome. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate being on your show. Finally, the respect oh, I, 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 give, I give you respect. Travis Kelsey joining us right now. What was your reaction when you found out that Alex Smith had been traded to Washington? Obviously, I was I was upset to hear that, you know, Alex was gone. I'm still trying to find words for it. It's a little awkward and a little different for me. Kareem Hunt yeah. talking about the trade of Alex Smith to Washington. Uh, you know, I was definitely shocked. I like having him on the team, but we definitely got a special cat behind him. A two-time NFL MVP, a Walter Payton Man of the Year recipient. Alright, alright. Let's get to the interview. Let's go. Email. I don't know if you know Salty Sarah. She loves you. Oh yeah? Well, love you too, Sarah. I'm all for that. Can you check yes or no? I'll check yes. I'll check yes. You got it. There it is. I'm in. Jerry Kramer, I don't want to jinx anything, but I think it's your time finally, and it's about time. Appreciate it. Always enjoy you. Always enjoying with you. And uh, I've got a great feeling about you also. You know I'm talking about Jim Kelly. He would bury me in that AstroTurf. It's like getting tackled on a cement block. I was going to say, it's, it's but, painted concrete is oh, what it is. Exactly. Sean Merriman, when you watch them now, are you rooting for them to win and have success? Or is it still just too tough to see them in Los Angeles? No, I'm rooting for the guys. Obviously, I played with Phillip and Antonio Gates and some of the guys there. You know, it, it, it was a two-hour move. I think that St. Louis, you can be a little upset. Tony, I can't lie, man. I miss seeing you. What's up, man? How you I doing? I miss you too, man. How, How you hey, bud? You look great. You you don't age a bit. Even yeah. though it's only been like six months. Six yeah, yeah, right. Patrick Peterson's my guest. Brought my daughter Whoa. to this. So I can tell her Uncle Fitz used to dominate your dad. <laughs> he, right? And he did it with a smile because he know only partial of that story was true. Yeah. My man, Mike Daniels. <laughs> when somebody stops you now for a picture or an autograph, you got to be thinking, for what? For what, lacing shoes? Busting pinatas? Or being a cosplayer? NFL's fourth. Dude, I forgot why we booked you on this show, even. Where we will fly with their ego. You will see. Fly with the eagles. Ah! Oh, my God, that was uncanny. Daniel Jacobs is my guest. Mike Tyson cooks. What what did he cook for you? It was the most amazing baked chicken that I had. It was healthy, (laughs) and we had hot sauce. Gerald McCoy is my guest. I am having a blast. And I told him I need to run the restroom. They was like, well, we got one. It's not really a nice one. I'm like, I'm at the Super Bowl right now. Think I'm complaining about a My man, I will will never ask again whether or not you're tequila spikes. I love you, man. Hey, man, I I love you too, brother. I mean this sincerely. You and I, we go way, way, way 
back. The respect that I have for you and how you treat the game and how you present the game, I appreciate that. Cameron Jordan. Watch, guys. Got to stick together. There's a lot more car guys in this world. Like, hey, you know, and I'm not. I, I have watches, you know. I feel like it's like the finishing touch to a lot of things in life. I, I live for this moment every single year. The fact that I'm able to sit. And we're in a mall, Jim. What did you do? You won't believe this. Look what this kid What's did. What's happening? He's taking off his jacket. Don't worry about that. Yo, he didn't tattoo his cat on his Dude, he did. Todd Gurley. He's like, do you want to play? I'm like, yeah, I want to play. <laughs> do I yeah. want to play? Do you want to coach? Then Goff texts me like, well, I don't think we're playing. I'm like, who not? I'm playing. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey. And I'm walking through the locker, and I look up, and I see 90 Julius Peppers. And I'm like, huh, that's crazy, because I was actually five when he got drafted. Patrick Mahomes. You got a lot of guys that can play and make plays. So for me, it's all about getting it in their hands and letting them make the plays to win games. <laughs> Is there a more iconic facial hair duo? <laughs> it's just so good to be in the jungle, Jim. Kick rocks. Jerry, quick, let's get it. Okay. Not like a deep grunt. It's like grippy on the arm. That is so cute. Somebody just photobombed us with a baby. Did they? Here we go. You aren't even allowed to cover me. Do it elite, man. Pats 28, Eagles 21. Good night now! Thank you very much for listening, clones. You know I appreciate you. We're coming to you all week long from the bold north before the Patriots and Eagles get it on on Sunday. Keep coming back for more. We'll see you next time. I'm out.